very quickly, I just wanted to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We see we just saying, let us enter into the holy of holies, right? Back in the day, there was only one person who could do that. It was the high priest. And even if he did this and he was unclean, the Lord could strike him and he could die. And it was impossible for the average person, the average young man, young woman, to ever even dream of entering into the Holy of Holies. But God says to us, through the flesh of His Son, Jesus Christ, He has made a way through the veil, and you and I can enter into the very presence of God, the Holy of Holies, pure, clean, and washed. There is no condemnation for us, and as we pray, let us thank the Lord for giving us this way. Let us thank the Lord for washing us, for sprinkling us in His blood, and let us be confident. Let us know that we can come to God, and we can come into His presence. Father, we thank you for this evening that you've blessed us with, and we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, would you be pleased to dwell amongst us this evening, my God? Would you be pleased to speak to us, my God? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you have to say to us through your word, my God. I know that you have made a way through the veil. It was your flesh. Jesus Christ, you died on the cross, my God, and you have given me and every person in this place a way through the veil, my God. It was not possible before, but today I can stand justified, my God. Today I have the privilege of standing in your presence, my God, entering into the holy of holies, my God, not by my own righteousness, Father, but by the righteousness that comes from faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, my God. You have washed me. You have sprinkled my conscience, my God, by the blood of that lamb that was slain, the lamb that was spotless, blameless, perfect, and holy. Jesus Christ was not deserving of death, my God, but he traded places with me, my God. He paid that price that I might enter in. I will worship you, and I will thank you, my God. And as we continue to worship you in this service, Father, let us be convinced that by your word, my God, we can enter into your presence, Father. We can stand in the holy of holies every single day my god i can enter into your presence father cleansed my god with a clean conscience father you are worthy of all the praise all of the honor all of the glory and i ask you my god would you receive this praise would you receive the sacrifice of praise that comes from our lips my god i know it is your good pleasure to bless your children my god i know that you love us my god i know that you love me father and all that you ask of us my god is to seek your face, my God. You've given us a way to do this, my Lord. And I pray, Father, would your name be glorified and exalted in this place, my God. Would you dwell amongst us and within us. Your Holy Spirit has made a home inside of us. Our body is the temple of God, Lord. And I know, Father, that your presence can dwell inside of me, Father, for you have made your home inside of me, my God. I love you and I ask you, God, continue to work in us. Continue to grow us in all wisdom and strength through the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, let us grow in peace, my God. To you be glory, praise, and honor forevermore. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
We're going to have the Bible reading now. Uh, open up to Galatians chapter 5. All right, Galatians chapter 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, kerosene, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Amen. You can all uh, be seated. Um, can, I, can I see a show of hands? How many of you guys just came back from Ukraine? Even better yet, can you guys, can you guys stand up for a second? Just kind of, sorry. Any guys? No guys? I know you, Alex. <laughs> Alex, okay. That's everybody? Okay, you guys can sit down. Oh, Victor, yeah, Victor in the back. Um, so we're going to have a few people share uh, a few testimonies um, about their experience, uh, either in Ukraine or I know Inessa went to Laos. How many of you? Who knows where Laos is? Raise your hand if you know where Laos is. Okay, we got a few people that know, but <laughs> okay. Uh, so Inessa, you can start it off, and then Linda will go, and then Tanya will will finish it off. Or we can have Inessa go, and then Tanya, and then Linda. And then when we're done, we're gonna pray for you guys.
Well, since everyone's talking about Ukraine, I'll talk about Ukraine today. Yay. Okay, so in the very beginning, I have to be honest, I did not want to go this year. Um, for five summers now, I haven't been home at all. I've missed all the kids' camps, all the Bible school camps, all our youth camps, all our church reunions, my friends' weddings, my friends' bridal showers, my friends' baby showers. I missed so many things, our family vacations, and I was like, I want to be home. And so I didn't want to go. And I had another thing with Laos for a month and a half. So I'm like, okay, two weeks. I'll have two weeks of summer vacation. And... um, I had no desire to go because those two weeks I wanted for myself (laughs) to spend with family. That was my desire. But the Holy Spirit convicted me so much, so much. It was like tearing inside. I I, I picked up the phone. I'm like, I have to call Popkov. So I call Popkov and I'm like, Vladimir Popkov, I really have to go. Like, but the dates with the Laos are coinciding. I'm going in June and all of July. And he's like, well, we can't do anything about the dates. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll help prepare the team here in America. And then they'll, they'll deal, they'll, they'll do the work. Um, and then I find out that the dates are moved and everything fits so perfectly. I finish work, I fly to Laos, I do the program there, I fly to Ukraine, do the two weeks there, come back, first day of work. So I'm like, okay, God, that's you. Um, God even worked out the days. It's so amazing. Um, You know how it says, uh, let your desires be known to God? So I'm like, God, you see how I want at least two weeks break? Even my bosses are telling me to get at least two breaks, two-week summer vacation. And inside I have this feeling that um, like, I'm going to be resting these two weeks in Ukraine. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, God, if this is from you, sure. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have this feeling that I'm going to be resting. So I go to Ukraine. <laughs> did I rest? Linda's like, did you rest? Um, I want to read first a scripture. Before I answer your question, Linda, it's in Psalm 34, Psalms 34, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I was crushed in spirit. I'm like, God, I don't want to go. But... um, And there's a big reason for that with the busy schedule and everything. Um, But it says, the Lord delivers them through them all, through everything. Um, In Ukraine, girls, did we rest in Ukraine? (laughs) The only person, they're all shaking their heads no, and only Anna's like a little bit because she was sick. (laughs) She stayed a couple of days, but she wasn't resting either. Um, No, it was physically really, really hard. But on the last, the second to the last day, as I'm walking around, I, um, my role was the coordinator, and so I wasn't tied to one spot. And I basically prevented 
oversaw whatever problems could come and dealt with problems before it got to the nastavniki or to the circle leaders. And as I'm circulating around, I'm, I get this feeling, I'm like, why do I feel so rested? And I'm thinking, why am I feeling so rested? I'm walking around. And th this was the morning, second to last morning. Several, three or four, four of our people already left to America. So we're short on people. And I'm like, why am I rested? And everyone in the morning was like, oh, so sleepy. And I'm thinking, why am I rested? And then the, it hits me. I'm like, God, you told me I would be resting here. And so then on the last day, on the very last camp, right before flying out, I'm walking around and um, one of my friends from Ukraine, we start talking and I'm like, you know what? Before coming here, I did not want to come here. But I had this feeling that I'm going to be resting. And right now, I feel like I was 10 days in Florida. <laughs> my body feels so rested. I have no idea why it feels that way. But to me, it is truly a miracle that I was... Crushed in spirit, I'm like, God, I don't want to go, but I will say yes because you need me there. And it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. There was many things I was thinking and many things were on my mind, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So I was as I was reading this passage, it, it hit me. It's like, wow, God, like, I understand how David feels, that even when our body feels tired, even when on our physical side, it might seem one way. In a spiritual realm, it's different. And sometimes all we have to say is yes to God. You know how they say, like, we're crazy people. But I hope you guys are understanding. Anyone remembers it? I can't. We're crazy. So, like, even as I talk with my friends, they're like, that's crazy. Like, you have no summer break. You're just working and working and working and working. Like, you have no time off. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's crazy. But when I say yes to God, God provides with everything, even the feeling of rest, when in reality we were working really hard. Yeah. So, it's a miracle for me. Praise God. Just a final thought. Um, in Psalms 91, it says, God's faithfulness is a shield. So when we keep, God is faithful always. If we say yes, he's faithful to us. Who's next? Go. I also went to Ukraine this year, but I only went for like a week. Um, so I missed a lot of the other fun stuff, but they called me about it. Um, so I was, this is a testimony about Anna. I know she said her testimony last last time, but I went to the hospital in Ukraine with her. Oof. Like, hospital is a very generous term. It's not, ugh. We have so much to be grateful for here in America because every time I go to Ukraine, I've I've never, never been in a silo. Like, our family's originally from Estonia and I've gone back there, but it's, it's like here. It's a developed country and you go to Ukraine and you realize that, I don't know, it just gives you a bigger worldview and it shows you that, hey, this could have been me, you know, and people are happy there. People are living life. I'm not, not saying anything, but 
it's just when you're when you're so blessed here in America and you go there and you're like, wow, this is something that I never even considered. So their hospitals have holes in the wall. It looks like they were built during the Soviet era and no work has been done on them since. So, um, well, to back up a little bit. So Anna had an allergic reaction to some medication and then it was pretty late at night that we we took her to the hospital. Uh, we had dinner and I'm usually the first one out after dinner just because I'm very efficient with my time. <laughs> um, I eat and I go to sleep. Uh, so I was actually well rested. I slept a lot on the trip. Um, <laughs> but so I go upstairs and Anna's like getting dressed. And when we dropped Anna off at her room, she was, she wasn't looking good. And not in a mean way, but you just, you know, and you weren't feeling good. And like, Honestly, the camaraderie that I saw when we were driving you from church after your allergic reaction, it was, it's like one, one person was hurting and the whole team was just like serious and like hurting and like feeling it. And then um, when we, when I went upstairs and you said that when you had to go to the hospital, like every, like, I don't even know, you were like, I can't breathe. And so it became very real and very serious. And you know it's real when Ilya's not joking around. And Ilya was not joking around. He was running around yelling at people. Just because in Ukraine, life is a little bit slower. People have um, maybe taken things a little less seriously. But here in America, if your throat is closing, you know, we're going to get you in a car and we're going to get you to a hospital. So um, that's what was happening. And it was like three Ukrainian guys and like Ilya, Andre, and me in the car with Anna. And we were blowing past every single red light, which that car ride to the hospital by itself was a miracle because literally it's red. It's a city. It's like populated. And we're driving towards a red light and we are not slowing down. Like we just, we blow through. Um, and then we get to the hospital and the car ride there was like, we were all praying and it was scary. Like, we're all like watching Anna breathe and really just the car ride was the scariest part um, <laughs> because we didn't know what was happening, right? So we didn't know if, we didn't know if Anna was going to make it. So we were praying and we don't know where this hospital is, how far away is it? And I'm like, God, please just let us make it. Like, I'm not ready to lose Anna. Like, it was like that. I know Anna said she prayed her last prayer and I believe it. Like, all of us were praying. We were praying out loud. Um, and Ilya was quiet. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I gauge the situation in Ukraine just by Ilya's reaction. I'm like, how seriously should I take it? And Ilya was not joking around. He was serious. And then we got to the hospital, and Anna was fine. But praise God. Like, that was, that was scary. You had us scared there for a minute. Um, but praise God. I just want us to know how much we have here in America and how much we should be thankful for just basics, healthcare, um, ambulance, so you don't have to blow past red lights when you have an allergic reaction. So just a lot to be grateful for here. And that's my takeaway every single time. This is my third trip to Ukraine. So praise God that we have what we have and, and that he takes care of us. Amen. I'm back. Um, this is a group testimony, but I will be speaking on behalf of the group. Um, <clears throat> going off what Tanya said, Ukraine has different views on life, especially on the roads. Um, and 
in a car, there's no such thing as a seatbelt. And when you're driving, there's no such thing as like following the road signs and, you know, doing legal things. Um, and so when I came, this is my first time in Ukraine, I was like a little bit in culture shock and every single car ride was just another testimony. I kid you not, like I was just sitting there praying the whole time. And this one time, like this was already towards the second week of being in Ukraine, so I was kind of getting used to it. Um, and we were on our way to a camp, and so my cousins and I and a few other girls get into the car, um, and Alex. Um, and so right before we're about to head out, we were all just like, let's pray. Just like, you know, like you don't really, I mean, you should be thinking about these things. Like in America, sometimes I forget to pray when I sit behind the wheel. But in Ukraine, you don't forget about that. And um, we pray to God. We're like, God, please keep us safe. We're on our way. So we're driving, and for some reason, I don't know why, but the driver and Anna were sitting in the front. Oh, and Anna put on her seatbelt because she's American. And um, we were like, oh, where's Alex? And everyone's like, oh, Alex, where are you? And um, Anna and the driver turn around to look at Alex, who's sitting in the back. And we're all just sitting there staring at Alex. And then all of a sudden, you just hear a whole lot of screaming. And as I'm turning back to look at the road, there's two cars. I'm going to show you. So there's a car right here that's completely stopped, another car right behind it that's about to crash into the car that stopped, and us flying into both of those cars. Um, and I kid you not, like, I turn around, I see Natasha flying right past me because we're breaking at this point. And I, I just, and, like, we're going about, like, 60, 70, and we're just, like, I don't even know, 15 feet away from this car. You're not going to stop in time. And our driver, praise the Lord, um, starts to turn, like, here. <laughs> um, but the thing is, the second car starts turning as well. So we're about to drive into some grandma's garden, and she has, like, a big stolb in her garden, too. And as we're swerving, this car's swerving as well. And we just barely, like, looking at what we saw, like there was just no possible way that we were going to fit between this car and the stolb. But somehow, like we just flew right past it and we just ruined like the grandma's garden, but that was it. And no, like you guys are laughing, but it's seriously really scary knowing that like, and Anna was sitting in the front, praise the Lord, she put on her seatbelt because Natasha was flying out of the car. I can't imagine if what would happen to Anna and you know it's serious when the Ukrainian driver is, like, shaking after the whole situation. Like, his hands were shaking. He's just like, I can't believe that just happened. And like Tanya said, you just got to be thankful for everything that we have in America, that, like, we have rules and that we don't have roads like that and that we have seatbelts. And just that God kept us safe. I wasn't joking when I said I had a testimony for every single day. There was just always something going on or happening physically, spiritually, and just all glory to God that he kept us safe those two weeks. Praise God. I'm sure there's a lot more testimonies that we can hear from, but after church, you guys are more than welcome to approach any of these people and uh, ask them. And um, um, 
De we were talking with Dennis before service, and he was telling us that missionaries, they, they have a special heart. They, it takes a special heart to be a missionary. It takes a special heart to fly out to a different country and serve people that are uh, not as privileged as us. And so many times we take for granted, like, everything that we have here, and uh, to go out of your way to take off from work, you know, you're losing money, you're losing time, to go serve people that are, um, you know, not as privileged, that takes a special heart. And I have a lot of respect for the people that are missionaries. I know God, you guys, you guys are storing up treasures in heaven right now, and um, if you guys ever have the opportunity, uh, take it. You know, go to Ukraine, go to Laos, go to um, any, any country, go to your neighbors, you know. Um, so, why don't we all go ahead and pray for, for the missionaries. Um, let's stand up to our feet and let's just pray for them. Keep in our prayers. Uh, they've been through a lot this summer. Uh, summer came to a close. All the missionaries, I believe, are back, right? They're all back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's pray for them and uh, ask God to bless them, you know, bless their lives, bless their futures and everything they have going for them. And, uh, yeah, let's pray. Um, we're going to have one more prayer, and this one's for needs and um, thanksgivings. And I had, a, I had a psalm I wanted to read. It's going to be Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to, to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pains of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O oh my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord? For all his benefits toward me, I will take up the cup of salvation. I call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of, of you, O Jerusalem. Um, also, before service, um, we were having a prayer over there, and Dennis brought up this, this thought, and he said, where, where there's no sacrifice, the fire of God can't come down. Where there's no sacrifice, you know, the power of God won't, won't come. So, the psalmist here in verse... 17 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will come, call upon the name of the Lord. Here's the psalmist, throughout this whole psalm, he's saying, at the point of my, of my life where, where it seemed like things were not going well, at the point of my life where I was going through troubles, I called upon the name of the Lord. And, and God was, was enough for me. And as soon as we, we open up our hearts to thank God for, for even a bad situation, a good situation, the power of God will come down and it will meet us in our needs. So if any of you guys have needs, prayers, thanksgivings, 
Um, you can go ahead and say him now, and we will pray for you. We'll also be praying for, like, it's the end of summer, people are starting school. Um, it's probably another month until people start school, September-ish. But, so we have also Yawa camp, we'll be praying for that. Um, men's retreat. So we'll pray for all the needs, all the Thanksgivings. Um, let's pray. Good evening, brothers and sisters. I'm actually really nervous right now because this is my first sermon that I've ever preached. Um, and yeah, if I say um a lot, bear with me. Um, there it is. All right, so we're going to be um, going through a lot of scripture. We're going to go through John, Exodus, Isaiah, Ephesians, Second Peter, a lot of scripture. So pick your favorite. I'll get there eventually. But we're going to start off with John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Now, there's going to be, so I'm going to give you guys some theological background between these three chapters. Now, I don't claim to be a theologian. I, I'm not balding. I don't have any gray hair. I'm not a theologian. But I have, in prepare, uh, preparation for this sermon, I have read a lot of articles about what theologians have to say about the gospel according to John. Now, in chapters 14, 15, and 16, it's rumored by theologians that this is the conversation that Jesus had uh, during the Last Supper. This is the very last thing he says, or the last conversation he has with his disciples before he gets, you know, crucified. You know, John chapter 13, he uh, washes the disciples' feet in the upper room. John chapter 17, he leaves, and then he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he, um, he has the last conversation, the Last Supper. Now, there's one thing he says three times in, well, one thing he says one time per chapter that the disciples have never heard before. You will never find this in any of the other Gospels. So John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 is where we're going to begin. Now it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now we're going to go to the next chapter, verse 16. And it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And again, this is the first time the disciples are hearing this. In the very next chapter, we're going to go through 23 and 24. Now, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now, that last part, we won't ask in Jesus' name. In other words, we won't pray. And there's three reasons I've come up with that sort of discourage us from praying. There's three reasons that I've been a victim of that Satan sort of attacks my prayer life. And one of them is, I just don't think that what I need to pray for is what I actually need to pray for. Like, it doesn't really relate to me. So it's like, eh, I'm, getting, I'm being complacent. It doesn't relate to me. It doesn't, you know, affect me on a personal level, so I'm just going to leave it alone. You know, I'm not going to pray. The second one is I've had this problem for a long time is the unbelief, where I just didn't believe prayer would actually work. Because to me, it used to be where you're just speaking words into the air. That's really it. But no, that's, that's not true at all. And the third one is I was discouraged. I, I've been praying for something for a long time, and it just didn't come through. I just was discouraged from praying. But I don't want to focus on why we don't pray. I want to focus on why we should. Now, there's two characteristics of God that Satan sort of twists around, where he 
So there's the truth, and then he twists the definition of the truth where it's almost true, so we believe it, but it isn't true. And the first one is the sovereignty of God. Now, when we say that God is sovereign, we mean that he's supreme, right? We say that he is the supreme ruler of the universe. He gets the last say. Now, for the longest time, I thought that meant that no matter what happens, he's going to do whatever he wants. So there's no reason for me to pray, right? He's going to do whatever. He's supreme. He's, he's sovereign, right? And it's a complete misapplication of the attribute. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 is our next place we're going to be. Now, this is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. This is Sermon of the Mount, and um, this is where, um, what's it called? <laughs> when Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, in verse 8, it says, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of, ask of him. Now, here's what Satan does. He comes in and he says, so God knows what you're going to say before you ask him, so there's no reason to ask. He already knows what you're going to ask, so there's no reason to ask, right? That's, that's what I thought for the longest time. But again, Jesus says, ask, um, Jesus, the Father knows what you need before you ask, so you're still going to ask. You still have to pray. Now, the sovereignty of God doesn't mean he'll do whatever he wants. Complete misapplication of that, of his attribute. Now, we always say this, if it's God's will, it's going to happen, right? I mean, most of us have said that. If it's God's will, it's going to happen, but that's not true at all. If it's God's will, it's going to happen. No, it's misinterpreting God's will. Now, if I can define will in one word, it'd have to be desire. Now, God has this desire for us in our lives. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 is the next place we're going to open up to. And um, let's just read it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, or in other words, patient toward us, not willing, again, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, remember repentance. I'm going to come back to that later. So we know things about God's will. All right? We know that he doesn't want us to perish, and that he wants us to come to repentance. But let me ask you, is everyone going to come to repentance? Simply put, no. But that's not because of God's will. When God created us in his image, because he has a will, we now have a will also. We perish because of our own will instead of God's. All right? So when we pray, we begin, to, we begin to understand what God's will is for us. Where it says in Ephesians 5.17, is the next place we're going to open up to. 5.17, it says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, how do we understand what the will of the Lord is? Through prayer. This is how we do it, through prayer. Now, his will is for, is, uh, for us not to perish, but to live a very holy lifestyle. Now, coming back to repentance, I always thought repentance meant turning away from sin. Right? I mean, most of us probably believe that, but that's not what repentance means at all. It means changing your mind. Right? It says, repent from your sins. Now, from your sins is a very redundant saying if repentance meant uh, or turning away from sin. Right? So when you repent, you change your mind. But not only that, when the Bible says change your mind, it doesn't just say change your mind on one decision. It says change your mind, change your whole lifestyle. Your whole life revolves around being holy. Right? So you have this new heart. Now, for as... Okay. <laughs> now, next, we're going to open up to James 2.26. Now, in James 2.26, James says this, where, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So when you have this new heart that God gives you, you are compelled to go into ministries. 
When I was saved for the very first time, I just wanted to serve God as much as I can. But I just, I was so scared. I, was, I, wasn't, I didn't have any courage. I didn't do anything with it. But he compels you when you have this new heart to go into ministries. Because faith without works is dead. You are saved by grace through faith. But without works, faith is dead. So you have to be in a ministry. And the way we know what God wants us to do, what ministry he calls us to be in, is through prayer. When we pray, our will begins to align with his. Now, so going back to John, why does Jesus say to pray in his name? It's very, it's very interesting. Pray in his name. He is powerful. He is God. But why in his name? Now, Jesus is what is in Scripture. He is called an intercessor. Now, intercessor is basically someone who brings two parties together, one being strong, one being weak, God being the strong, and we being the weak. So he brings us to God and makes resolution, right? So when we pray, what we do is we pray and we make known our requests to Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, and then he brings that to God, right? So he's the intercessor. He's the intermediary. Now, in Romans chapter 8, 34, and Hebrews 7, 20, 25, and Isaiah 53, 12, it all calls Jesus the intercessor. Now, Romans 8, 34 says, who is he who condemns? In other words, who condemns us? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So, God, so Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he makes intercession for us. So when we pray, he brings our supplications, he brings our our wants, our desires to God, and he gives it and uh, puts God's will in our lives, right? Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The Lord's Prayer. Next is Hebrews seven twenty-five. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost thee, us, who came to God through him, since he always lives to make, to make intercession for us, for them, for us. Now, he always lives to make intercession. Always. This is what he lives for. He wants to carry your prayers to God. He wants to do this. See, this is what he lives for. It's his passion. He loves to do it. Now, in Isaiah 53, 12 is the next passage we're going to flip to. Now, it says, now, Isaiah 53, Andre read it, and it is a, a messianic chapter. Now, what that means is, in the Old Testament, there are chapters that point straight to the Messiah, a messianic chapter, and it talks about Jesus entirely. And we're going to go to the 12th verse, the very last one. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death on the cross. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and this was him being crucified with the two thieves. And he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. So, this is what Jesus, Jesus' main goal is to be the intercessor. This is what he lives for. Now, Jesus brings us to the Father. So, when we pray, what we do is, when we pray for what we want, again, we pray in Jesus' name, again, he grabs us by hand, takes us to the Father, and then now we're able, now his will is able to be in our, in our lives. Because there's this, there's this chasm, this gap, this huge gap between heaven and earth, heaven's will and our earth, and our, and our will here on earth, where only Jesus can build that bridge. That's what Jesus' job is to do. When we pray, Jesus builds a bridge for our prayers to reach God. Right? This is what happens when we pray. Now, there's one problem with that. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to pray for. It says in Romans 8, chapter 26, or Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit does. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. 
For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There's two things I want to point out. In the beginning, likewise the Spirit also helps. I'm going to come back to that word helps. But in the end, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. He knows it. So when we pray in the Spirit or when we allow the Spirit to pray, what happens is we start to pray purely for God's will in our lives. It's a pure desire. It's, it's what we pray for when the Spirit uh, begins to pray in us. Excuse me. Now, because he knows the will of God, it's, it's very important to allow the Spirit to pray because we can just disregard the Spirit entirely because the flesh always lusts against the Spirit, right? So when we pray, we always think about when we're praying, right? We always say we want to pray for the, for the business that we have, the business that we hold. But what if the Holy Spirit wants us to pray for something else? What happens is a lot of times during when I pray is whenever I pray for my business, the Holy Spirit then comes into me and he says, you know what, I'm going to pray for your family. I'm going to pray for blessings for your family. And without even thinking about it, I switch from my business straight to my family. That's what he wants me to pray for. Like the Holy Spirit takes over. Now, if there's a definition for prayer that I can give, it'd have to be that the prayer is quite literally a transference of a burden. That's what prayer really is, a transference of a burden. So let's go back to Romans 8, 26, where it says, The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, what this means is, when we pray and we have this burden in our hearts and we go into our, to the, the innermost room, of our house, and we close the door, and we start to pray with this burden. What the Holy Spirit then does is he completely takes that burden off your back, because you can't carry it. You're not supposed to carry it. You can't carry it. So he takes the burden off your back and puts it at God's feet, at Jesus' feet. That's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We're not meant to carry burdens. If you ever go with a burden into your room, and you pray, but you come back out of that room with your burden, you didn't pray. You just griped. You didn't leave it at his feet. You just said, oh, I have this problem. I have this problem, and I, I don't know what to do with it. Amen. That's pretty much it. You didn't trust in God. You didn't leave it at his feet. Now, in the Bible, we're called sheep a lot throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New. We're the sheep of his pasture. We, we're of his sheepfold. We, you know, he is our great shepherd, right? So something very interesting about sheep is that they're not designed to carry burdens, God didn't design them to carry backpacks or luggage. They, never will you ever go to a safari and request from the guy there saying, I'm going to have about a ton of stuff. Let me, I'm gonna, I want to rent some pack sheep to carry it. He's going to look at you like, what are you, what are you talking about? Sheep don't carry burdens. They can't. So in other words, we are not meant to carry burdens. We're not designed. Since we are his sheep, we're called by his sheep. We're called sheep by God. We're not meant to carry burdens. That's why the Holy Spirit, when we pray, carries the burden there. So what were we meant to do? If we are sheep, what are, we, what are we meant to do? We're not meant to carry burdens, but what are we meant to do? Well, what are sheep meant to do? Look cute. Look fluffy. Graze in the grass. Mingle with friends, you know. Be close to the shepherd. Be protected. We're meant to look beautiful. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, he has this vision of, which I think is the best name of God, is ancient of days. When all the thrones were seated, were set in place, the Ancient of Days was seated. His clothes were as white as snow and his hair as soft as wool. We're meant to look beautiful. And that can only happen when we leave the burden at Jesus' feet when we pray. 
That's the Holy Spirit's job. Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. We don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit comes in. He says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry this burden for you. I'm going to give it to Jesus, and he's going to handle it. This is what happens when we pray. Now, something that's amazing is that because Jesus interceded on our behalf so that we may reach God, we can intercede on each other's behalf. We can pray for one another. We can pray prayers of intercession. So what does that really look like? Now, say I have a friend. I know, long shot, me having a friend. But let's call this friend John. Now, my friend John is someone I love. I've known him for a while. But he's not walking in the way of God. He's, he's not loving God the way he, he's supposed to, right? So what you do is, during the prayer of intercession, when, what you begin with is you start to pray and honor God's name. Because in the very first thing, when the disciples asked in Luke chapter 11, when the disciples asked um, Jesus, how should we pray? He leads off with this. Sorry. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? And hallowed means hold above, to highly respect, to revere, to hold true, to, to really hold above every other name. So hallowed be your name. You start off by saying, Lord, I thank you for giving me this wonderful life. You've, you've given me and you've saved me by grace through faith. And I, you've blessed my family and you've blessed my relationships. And I thank you. So once you're in God's presence, once you've honored the name of God, you're in his presence. And now you're able to pull John closer to you. Now, John doesn't have to necessarily be next to you. I'm just saying you're praying for him. Now, when you pray for him, you start to begin with, you know, he's been living a life of, you know, of, of treachery, of, of lie, of deceit, and what you want, and, uh, Lord, I bring him to you. I bring John to you, and you take over, that the Holy Spirit may convict him to come to you. Lord, I put your word in his heart. Let it grow deep. Let it grow, and let it, let it just burst out so that he may be convicted to come to you. And that's when the Holy Spirit then comes in and prays for what God really wants for John. Let him realize the wrongdoings of his life. Let him, Lord, I pray that, I, that he gets rid of his friends that keep doing evil to him. I keep, keep telling him to do bad things. And let him have friends that, that love you and bring John to you. And the more you pray, the more you pray for John, the Holy Spirit then prays through you. And then this, this is when Jesus comes in and brings all of that to God. And once that happens, God then comes up and meets with John. Over time... Now, when you pray, you have to pay, pray very fervently. And what that means is very, very strongly, very, very intensely, you know. And this leads me to my next point, which is how powerful, really, how power, powerful prayer is, really. Now, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I'm going to focus on the second part, but I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the whole verse. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Now this part, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And this, occurred, this gave me a question. As I was praying the sermon, someone gave me this verse. And as I was praying, this question hit me. How powerful is prayer, really? And this leads me to the second characteristic of God, which is his inability to change. There's only one thing our God can't do, and that's he can't change. It's impossible for him. Because if he can change, he could get better but he can't get better because he's already the best, you see? He can't change. But here's what Satan does. He walks up and he twists that just enough to where it's almost true, and we believe it. Where he comes up to you and he says, well, if he can't change, what's the point of praying? No matter how hard you pray, he's not going to change. So there's no point to pray. He's not going to change on his will. Again, he's sovereign. He's supreme. He's the, he gets the last word. There's no point to pray, but that's not true. Now, 
When I say that he can't change, I'm talking about he can't change his character. But he can change his mind. Throughout the Old Testament, you hear of you know, saints, of, of Moses, of Elijah, all of these people praying and changing God's mind, especially Moses in chapter 32 of Exodus. So chapter 32 of Exodus, it's going to start in uh, verse 7 all the way down to 14. Thirty-two, chapter seven, or chapter thirty-two, verse seven. Give me a second here. All the way down to fourteen. Now, this is the story of the golden calf. If you guys don't know, the golden calf, Israel pretty much built this golden calf and worshipped it as the god that brought them out of Egypt. But they literally just built the thing, and they're starting to praise it like it brought them out of Egypt. Now. God is obviously furious with this, more so than he has ever been before. And he literally tells Moses this. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I will make, you, make of you, Moses, a great nation. That's pretty powerful. You've got to really mess up for that to happen. Now, Moses pleaded with the Lord, verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord. In other words, he prayed. And he said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with, an empty hand, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians seek or speak and say he brought them out, out to no harm, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Churn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and ye, all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Now, verse 14. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. How powerful is prayer? It can change God's mind. It's so powerful. Not only that, it can save a life. You can be the inter intercessor for someone else. It's very, it's, it's amazing. Now, going back again to John, when Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, I will give it to you. Anything you ask. But that's not really true. Because anything we ask in his name, we don't really receive. But that's only because our hearts are hard. When we have this new transformed heart, we have this pure desire now. And whatever we pray for, whatever the Spirit, whatever we allow the Spirit to pray for us, he then prays a pure desire of, for you in, in your life. Now, the reason why you don't get everything you prayed for is because in James 4.3, he puts it perfectly. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, you ask whatever you want in his name, but he's not going to give it to you because all you're going to do, do with it is just for your own benefit. But God's will is always for everyone's benefit, always. When he calls you to be a ministry, a missionary, he calls you out to Ukraine, he doesn't do that for you. He does that for other people so that you can be the intercessor and you can bring Jesus to their lives and then Jesus can bring them to God. That's what happens. 
Now, that can only happen through prayer. All of this can only happen through prayer. When we pray and we allow the Holy Spirit to pray for God's will in our lives, Jesus then comes in and builds the bridge, bridges the gap between heaven's will and our will, and he brings heaven's will down to us. Prayer is so powerful. It's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's the conclusion to my sermon. <laughs> All right, I didn't really have anything written for a, a closing. But um, anyway, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yes, let's pray. Let's, let's get on our knees and pray. Yes, because this, this is a prayer service. Hallelujah, Father. We pray to your name. We highly revere your name, Lord. We call upon your name to move in this place, Lord. I pray that you move in this place and you lead us in this prayer. We thank you, Father, for all of the blessings you have given us in our lives. We thank you for the blessings of, of healing in our relationships, but not only that, but healing in our spirits, healing in, in our love lives, Lord, healing in our businesses, whatever it may be, Lord, we call upon your name for the healing. But not only that, we call upon your name for victory. We call upon your name for breakthrough in our lives. We pray to your name and we glorify your name forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's pray. Praise God. He is good. <laughs> Amen? He is good. Yes, he's good to us. Praise God. Um, Alex, thank you. May God bless you. I would like to call us to pray for our preachers. Um, for our preachers. How often do you guys pray for our preachers? I should look at the guys. How often... When did, just think about the last time you prayed for preachers of Slavic Christian Center, youth, or in general. Okay, I see a lot of people thinking. <laughs> That's good. We need to pray for each other. Amen? Because this is who God uses as a vessel to serve us, to feed us, to bring the food, to bring the bread. You understand that, right? God uses people to convey his will. People with two legs, two arms, two ears, one tongue, just like you. Obedient people, sanctified people, people that he's working on. But he uses people, just like you and me. The Bible says that Elijah was supernatural. No. Dennis, what did you say? Was a man like us. And God did amazing things to him, right? He raised people from the dead. He did amazing things to him. He was a person like us. The only difference, he was obedient. And I believe today God is looking for obedient people. He's looking for those people today. I'm not going to ask you if you're an obedient person. You know that. <laughs> but obedience to God is a whole different topic. Um, I want to talk about genuine relationship with God. For the next few minutes, we're going to pray. Um, genuine relationship with God. And then we're going to pray for our preachers and we're going to pray for our sisters. Brothers in general to be the leaders. Uh, we have a man's retreat coming up. Brothers, if you're going, raise your hand. I want to see if you're going. 
I see some brothers. I encourage all of our brothers to go. We're going to have some good topics. We're going to have some good preachers. If you know who Steve Altmaier is, he's going to be there. Um, and I believe God is going to be speaking to man. And why this is important? Because every sister that sits here, they don't want a man with a car. They don't want a man with a good job. Every sister that sits here wants a man of God. Amen, sisters? Amen, sisters? <laughs> Amen. And it is crucial for us to be those men of God in our families, leading our families, leading our lives first in a godly way. Amen, brothers? Amen. Amen. I know brothers are more reserved in their, in their hearts. Um, genuine relationship. I remember many years ago, Oleg Kondratyuk shared um, a testimony, a story here about his um, yogurt parfait from McDonald's. Anybody remembers? So the story goes like this. He went, uh, he was going to work. And on the way to work, he stopped at McDonald's. He ordered, uh, I guess, a breakfast. And uh, Andre, you should know. <laughs> and the parfait, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Parfait, okay. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, I'll practice later. It's basically a yogurt with... Um, Fruit, granola, yes, thank you. And you mix it together, right? And, and it's good, good breakfast. So he, he orders it, um, and he said, I open it up, and on top there's granola, right? And it's still dark, it's still in the morning. He said, I, I, I open the lid, and I um, tried it with the spoon, you know? And he's driving, okay? He's driving, he's tried it with the spoon, it doesn't work. Uh, he's like, well, maybe it's just, crust you know it's it's all together on top so he bites into it he couldn't get it as well you know it's 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 it's, it's hard so he decided to look at it so he turns on the light he looks at it and it's actually a display a model that they put <laughs> for people just to look at it right so he turns around, he comes back, he gives it back to them, they apologize, give him a real one, and so on and so forth. Um, but the main point, the main point um, is that we like real things, we like genuine things. We don't like fake things, right? And we like when the person has a genuine testimony. Amen? When there's a genuine testimony, you can sense it. That God is doing something in my life. Amen? That God is doing something in my life. And this is my desire, my brother and my sister, that each one of us would have a genuine testimony. When you get on that bus and you go to work, 
where you come to that meet a new client and you don't only focus on making the money or getting through that day but you have a genuine testimony to share and glorify God I can talk about myself and my achievements all day long but that's not going to change anyone it's not going to change anyone what will change is the testimony what God did in my life. So my question is, do you have a personal testimony? Ask yourself, what is my personal testimony? What did God do in my life? What can I share? And I know that the, the missionaries, they do have a lot of testimonies that they shared on the mission trip. But for us, what is my testimony? And if I don't remember my testimony, if I don't know where my testimony is, this is the time to drop on my knees and say, Lord, give me a genuine, real parfait. I don't want something fake. I don't want people to break their teeth, sort of be a stumbling block for them, right? I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want to give people something real. Amen? Do you want to pray that prayer? Let's do that. Let's stand up. Let's pray for that and pray also for our brothers, uh, for our preachers, and pray, brothers, for our sisters. We're going to take it in steps. That they would be um, a woman of God after God's heart. Amen? Do you guys, do your brothers want that? Amen. Amen. We all want that. Lord, we come to you.